Well, today I want to get into the word with you just a little bit. You know, one of the words that the Lord spoke to us is that we are to prevail in prayer. And just the other day when I was taking time to pray, I was asking God, which I often do is, God, how do I pray better? How do I pray more effectively? You know, so often when we're praying, we feel like we're down here looking up to God and and we're hoping our words get from here up to heaven somehow so that then he can turn it around and bring forth the answers, the changes and so forth. And while we are praying to God here physically, I want to share some scriptures with you that might help change your perspective and show you that you really do have a different identity than maybe even what you thought. Look in your Bible with me in the book of Ephesians. We're going to turn to chapter 1, verse 16, where the Apostle Paul is praying for the disciples there. And he says this, he said, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe, according to the working of His mighty power." which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. You see, Paul's praying, he says, that we can know or we can experience or have access to that same power that God used when he raised Jesus from the dead. And that power, he said, is exceedingly great. If you think about it, not only did it bring a dead man back to life, but really it brought, it resurrected the God-man, Jesus, who was the essence of sin at that point. He was at the farthest point you could possibly be away from God, separated as far as possible. And he raised him up and and at, from that very point and seated him at the right hand of God. That's encouraging because I don't know how far you ever feel away from God, but if God could do that through Jesus, bringing him up, he can do it in you. You know, in fact, the Bible says that God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. So when he looks at us, he doesn't even look at us in our sin. He looks at us with the righteousness that Jesus had. Now, not only was he raised to life, but he was seated far above all power, all principality, every name that was named. Scripture says he's above it. So he didn't just come back to life, but he... Is exalted far above that, above that. That's important because I want to continue to read some of these next verses with you. Catch this. In chapter 2, verse 1, it says that there's a comparison made. It says, And you he made alive who were dead in sins. You were dead in sins. But yet in the same manner that he made Jesus alive, he made you alive too. That's a big deal. And then we go on to verse 4. It says, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, for by grace you have been saved, 
and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We are seated right now in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We were dead in our sin, but he raised us up in that same manner and he raised, made us alive with Christ. So when Jesus was raised from the dead, we've got to get this on the inside of our heart that we were raised from the dead at that same point. And in the same manner, he was brought back to life. We were brought back to life. And in the same way that he was seated at the right hand of God, the Bible says you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Far above all power, principality, might, dominion, far above every name, far above every problem, far above every difficulty. This is the position that you're in right now. Some of you would say, well, Pastor Daniel, I don't feel like I'm in that position. But you've got to understand, you can never let your condition overrule your position. Your condition, you might feel like, oh, I'm struggling, or I've got needs, or there's limitations. But your position says that you're far above that. And as I was praying, I got this glimpse that when I'm praying, I'm not praying down here to God to do something, but I'm already seated up there with Him. I'm seated on His throne with Christ. Think about what a king does from His throne. He administrates justice, righteousness. He gives decrees. When he speaks his word, things change. People go into action. Things are, are made different because of the words that he speaks from his throne. Now, we're seated at the throne of God. We're seated right there at the right hand of God. Now, when we pray, again, don't ever feel like you're just looking up to God trying to get him to hear you. Now, there is times when we are praying and we're just fellowshipping with the Lord. It's back and forth this way. But there's prevailing prayer where we need to see some change happen here on earth. And when we come to time, we come to pray like that, we're not just hoping that he heard us and that he'll go do it. But he says, come on up here. Come on up here and see it from my perspective. See it from your perspective. You see, it belongs to us. That, that place where we're seated at the throne, it belongs to us. And this for us is a new identity. We have a new authority because we're seated together with Christ. We're not subject to all those powers and principalities. In fact, they're subject to us. Let's look at another scripture in Ephesians chapter 6. I want to look at verse 12. And it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Our fight is not in the natural. In fact, we're not even trying to get God to do things in the natural force. Our fight is in the spiritual realm. It's in the unseen realm. That's where our battle's at. And it's that unseen realm, the things that we don't see with our natural eyes, that affect the things that we do see with our natural eyes. See, behind all the natural realm here, there's a spiritual realm as well. And it, and it influences what we see. And so that's where our fight's at. And that's where the scripture is telling us we're battling from. But as we continue to read, it says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the gospel of truth, gospel of 
peace, sorry. <laughs> Above all, taking the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation. Take all of these spiritual truths is what he's saying. When you go to pray from your rightful place at the throne room of God, when you go up there and begin to speak words and do battle against these powers and principalities, you do it with all these spiritual truths. You've got the belt of truth. You've got the breastplate of righteousness. You're made righteous. You have the helmet of salvation. You have the shield of faith. You know, you need that shield of faith to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. What are those darts? It's the words and accusations that come against you. It's the pictures and images that come to our mind and say it's not working. It's those thoughts that says you're never going to succeed or you'll never get your breakthrough or God does doesn't hear or something along those lines. But when we have the shield of faith, we quench all of those. So those are spiritual keys or, or, or weapons to really position us for victory when we go into battle. And then look what he goes on to say. He says, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, the sword of the spirit is the word of God. That's what we take up. We take up the word here and we put it in our heart and in our mouth and we speak the word of God when we pray. And we begin to not just simply read the word, but we declare to those spiritual forces and to those natural things that we're praying about or dealing with, we begin to declare the word of God to those things. That's what the spiritual warfare is, and that's what we're doing when we're up there fellowshipping with Jesus, but we are prevailing in prayer. When we speak the Word of God like that, that's what we're called to do. Now, what do we do? We pray. We pray, and we pray the Word of God. We release the Word of God. I want to tell you, there's, there's at least two things that take place when we do this. Number one, uh, one of the things that, that happen is that angels, they start moving on our behalf. A- angels go into action. Look with me in Hebrews chapter 1. In Hebrews chapter 1, it tells us this about the angels of the Lord. It says, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? The angels in heaven are there to minister for us. So in other words, if you got this picture of, of Jesus, for example, we, we have a need, we have a prayer, we have a, a situation where there's protection needed. Well, he sends forth one of his angels. Hey, bring that need, supply that need to him. Oh, go over there and protect them uh, uh, from that situation. Protect them from that accident. Protect them from that decision they're about to make. You know, Go in and speak to the person who they're dealing with so that it works out in their favor. Well, the angels in those situations, they're ministering uh, on our behalf for us. So what happens is they go out to minister to us. Now, what motivates them or releases them to move? Are we only waiting on Jesus to get to it? Are we waiting on him to give the word? Well, remember, we pray the word of God. Now, in regards to the angels, let's look over here at Psalm 103. You can turn with there. Turn with me there in your Bible. And of course, many of us know the first part of this chapter where it tells us to bless the Lord because he heals us and he forgives us and he, and he sets our feet on the rock and so forth, redeems us. But look at the end of the chapter in verse 20 and 21. It says, 
Bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength, who do his word. What do the angels do? They do his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you ministers of his, who do his pleasure. You see, the angels go into action when God's word is spoken. And that's why when you're sitting up on the throne with Jesus and you're in that place of authority, you're also in place of authority over those angels, the angels that are assigned to minister to you. And right now, the angels of God are waiting on you to give the word of God, not just your own ideas and opinions of what sounds good, but for you to come into agreement with the word of God and speak that and say, angels, go. Angels, go. Angels, do this. And that's what's happening in the spiritual warfare. You're declaring things. And even if you don't tell them to go, but you're speaking the word of God, they come into alignment because they do his word. And so they jump right in there. And so you might even think, well, what do they do? Well, I'm going to tell you one of the things they do is that they access and administrate the treasures of heaven. That's one of the things they do. They have access to it and they administrate it on earth. You remember in, in Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus said this, he said, Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where tre- thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Why would we need treasures in heaven? When we get up into heaven, we're going to have streets of gold. What do we need treasure in heaven for? Well, we don't need it for then. We need it for right now. And so right now, as we lay up treasure in heaven, that's being stored up for when we need access for it with, for it here on earth. That's where we're laying the, this treasure up. And, and in fact, in, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, another familiar verse to us, Paul is writing and he says, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches, in glory by Christ Jesus. My God supplies all your needs according to his riches. Now, the Bible just told us that we lay our riches up in heaven. But you know, there's something about it that when we put our riches there, that it gets mixed up in his riches. And all the seeds that you sow here on earth, when they get up there, it's like it brings that abundant harvest. Everything you need is all stored up in the treasure house of God. Every financial need that you have, it's already provided for. Every physical healing you need, it's already provided for. You need a body part. Do you need a job? Do you need a promotion? Do you need uh, peace? Do you need rest? It's all in the treasures of God, the joy of the Lord. Every single thing is there in his treasure room. And God supplies that according to his, his riches there by Christ Jesus. Now you're seated with Christ, what Jesus has done, making you righteous, bringing you right up to the throne, seated there with him. You're, you're up there and it's Jesus speaking it when you speak it. So as somebody who is seated on the throne of God, you are accessing the things you need. So we're not really waiting on God to provide it. You've laid it up there. Now you call it into being. You call the angels to grab a hold of it. You access the riches that are there for you, and you release the word of God, and you begin to speak to those situations from that vantage point of above all the powers and principalities and above the earth. And you begin to declare, you know, this relational, this relational issue be solved, body be healed, 
you look at this and, and you're with your kids and you begin to speak peace over them and favor over them and, and you begin to minister to your community and you're praying for the lost and you're calling the angels of God to go minister to them uh, at your word because you're speaking God's word. Now, here's something else important about the treasure. Where is that treasure at? Where is it at? It's up in heaven. Well, look back with me at Ephesians chapter 1. We did read it, but we got to catch this right now, is that it's not just exclusively there with God. But look here, when we started reading in chapter 1, Paul is praying that our eyes would be open and that we would see something here. He said, I want your eyes of your understanding to be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. See what I'm saying? It's not just up there for him to administrate, but it's already in your hands because you're seated with Christ far above. And so everything that you could possibly ever have need of, every challenge that you face, every time you need breakthrough or you need breakout or healing or provision or a miracle or anything else, God's already put that in your hands because the riches of his inheritance are in the saints. Where are the saints at? Seated at the right hand of God with Jesus. And so when I caught that and I began to pray, I was no longer asking God to do things and nor should you all the time. There are times when we're asking him to do things, but I realize that there's also a time to prevail in prayer when he says, no, you speak the word and you wrestle with that unseen realm and the powers and principalities and you declare my word and you speak the blessings and you call the angels to go into action on your behalf and you start calling in the resources. You start calling in the lost. You start calling in the breakthrough and at my word that comes out of your mouth, victory happens. Change takes place. The seen world is transformed by the unseen. And you're up there speaking the word of God. And by faith, we hold on to it and we expect it to have results. That's how we prevail in prayer. And in just a few moments, and in fact, from this point forward, I'm going to ask you to see yourself from that perspective. See yourself seated at the right hand of God, cleansed from all the sin, raised from the dead right there along Jesus, and, all, and, and everything else, every problem, every challenge, it's beneath you. You've got victory over it. Well, I hope you received something out of the Word this morning. I love you. Can't wait to be back with you next week. And keep prevailing in prayer. Remember this, God is greater. 